Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown, and today I am joined by the one and only Dan Roach. DR, how we doing? Good, glad to be here. Excited to talk some baseball. Sad it's not the Red Sox. Fandy, tough season for our Red Sox. I'll, uh, I think I'll get your thoughts on their season and where you'd like to see them go at the end. But we are here to preview the 2022 World Series. The playoffs are coming to a close. The Fall Classic is upon us. And we've got a championship to be won. So let's let's go ahead and just give it a go here on who will take home the World Series trophy, that commissioner's trophy. So in the World Series this year, you have the American League champion Houston Astros taking on the National League champion Philadelphia Phillies. One team dominated their league, was the top overall seed, had one of the best records in baseball, and cruised to the World Series. Meanwhile, the other team in the Philadelphia Phillies barely scraped into the playoffs. They were the sixth and final team in the National League and pulled a string of very impressive upsets to get themselves into the World Series. So, quick little recap. We'll start with those Phillies. They started in the wildcard round with a best-of-three series against the St. Louis Cardinals. And in pretty epic fashion, they dispatched of the Cardinals in a two-game sweep. They were down 2 nothing going into the ninth in the first game, and they dropped a cool six runs on the Cardinals to win 6-3. to three. And then they finished them off the next day with a shutout. And then they moved on to the divisional round, and they played the defending champion, Atlanta Braves. And after getting a split in Atlanta, they went home and they dominated. And they won both. And the series never returned to Atlanta. They won that series three games to one. And then in the National League Championship Series, it was actually a battle of wildcard teams as their opponent in the League Championship Series round was the San Diego Padres, who not only went into New York and beat the Mets in three, but they also went in and beat the Dodgers. They finally beat the Dodgers in the playoffs. So another playoff choke job by the uber-talented Los Angeles Dodgers to set up Padres and Phillies for a chance to play for a world championship. This series was really, really fun to watch, even though the Phillies won in five and in, it just seemed like the Phillies had all the magic and it just seemed like they were destined to move on, but they were, they got the split just like in Atlanta. They got the split in San Diego. They didn't have home field for this one either. And as soon as this got back to Philly, they won all three games. Uh, not so much by dominant fashion like it was in Atlanta, but they won, a, they won by a pair of runs in game three. They won by four in game four. And then they closed out with a, a one-run one win in the game five. So 
that's the Phillies road. They've, they seem to have all the magic going for them. Meanwhile, on the other side, you've got the Houston Astros. They didn't need to play in the wild card round because they had a buy given that they had a top two record in the American league. They were one of the two best division winners. So they sat out and waited for an opponent to present themselves in the divisional round. They got the Seattle Mariners. And after defending their home turf and winning the first two games, they went and finished the job in Seattle, which was quite the the marathon game, an 18-inning thriller, one to nothing. A solo shot from Jeremy Pena in the top of the 18th won that one and completed the sweep for the Astros, sending them to the to the league championship series where they met the New York Yankees who had taken care of business against the Cleveland guardians in a five game series. That was very much entertaining, especially towards the end. But in this one, it just did not feel like the Yankees could overcome anything that the Astros threw at them. A bunch of close games, uh, three out of the four games were one run games. But in the end, the Astros found a way to win every single one of them, sweeping the New York Yankees and moving on to the World Series. So, with all that being said, DR, you've got the Astros coming into the World Series without a postseason loss. You've got the Philadelphia Phillies, who have only lost two games in twice. They are 9-2 and two this postseason, and, only, and they have yet to lose at home. So, what has what's going to give here? What 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 if uh, it's it's going to be a crazy World Series if you ask me? It feels like David and Goliath in a sense. But talk to me about what you've seen from each team so far, Dr. And uh, what you're kind of expecting here. Yeah, I think the Astros of old, right? They're this dominant hitting team. I think you've you've had some some stud players uh, across their you know multiple playoff runs. They don't have the name power, I would argue, that they've had in, in past Astros teams that we've seen. But this uh, lineup is still just as deep and just as scary uh, and is producing just as much um, as as the Astros of old. So I think th- their strength is going to be, um, of course, their bullpen, um, which is one of the best, if not the best bullpen uh, in the league. Um, and then, you know, some, some star players that are breaking out, like a Jeremy Pena, or just, you know, your modern-day David Ortiz in Jordan Alvarez, who just looks as mean and as good of a hitter as you will see uh, in the game of baseball. Uh, for the Phillies, I think you look at guys like Bryce Harper, who's just having a monster, monster uh, postseason run. Um, you know, you've got Reese Hoskins, who has uh, definitely been hitting the ball um, hard when he does. Uh, I think, uh, you know, you'd like to see more contact from him. Um They've got some guys, I think, that are maybe underperforming. Castellanos, Real Muto, I think those are guys that can give you more for them. I like the, the Phillies lineup to be a little deeper um, and a little more well-rounded than the Astros. But ultimately, I think their defense is a little more suspect. Their um, bullpen, I think, is a little more suspect. Um, and I'm going to pick the Astros to win it. Yeah, so I, I think – very much so that if you if you compare when you start like comparing everything like pitching matchups bullpens lineups even even managers like 
everything on paper points to the Astros. Now, if you recall, this feels eerily similar to a situation about three years ago. Same thing, World Series, Houston Astros taking on a wild card team from the NL, the Washington Nationals. Do you recall what happened in that situation, Dan? Yeah, the, uh, the Nats came home victorious. They did. It was not how I expected it to go down. I, I did call Nationals in seven in that one when everyone else on the show, or yeah, it was the mouth and off show at the time, went Astros in either five or six. But that series was crazy because the road team won every single game that series. It was very thrilling from start to finish, from game one to game seven. But it was wild in the sense that for the first time ever, the road team won every single game and it went the full distance of a series. So I'm not saying that we're going to get a repeat of that, but the situation does feel very eerily similar in that the Astros feel like the overwhelming favorite. It feels like they should win this series in like five, maybe six games, but you look on the other side and the Phillies just have that mojo. They just have that, it factor going right now. They, they've got the magic going and it just feels like it's going to be tough to see them just all of a sudden lose it all. Bryce Harper has been just unconscious at the plate. And when his team has needed it the most, he's been there. Same with Riss Hopkins. So you, you look at where it, the battles will be won and it just feels like runners in scoring position and then late game clutch moments. Now, that doesn't really specify like what to watch for, but I think the X factors, you have to kind of look at the Phillies. You, you mentioned it specifically. The depth of the Philadelphia Phillies lineup isn't quite the same as that of the Astros. The Astros literally had one hit between Jose Altuve and Jordan Alvarez combined in the ALCS, and they swept the New York Yankees because their pitching depth is stupid good, both in the rotation and in the bullpen, and they can hit one through nine. Not many other teams can say that, and that is why they had so much success this season, and it's carried over into the playoffs. You look at the Phillies, it doesn't feel the same way where you're looking at, only like a couple of guys that have that have really kind of been there and and had big moments like outside of Hoskins and and Harper it, i mean the, it feels like they're just getting the clutch moments when they've needed it they're not all they're not really playing particularly well per se and the lineup definitely doesn't feel as deep you know Gene Segura had that one game and I think it was the NLCS where he was just doing everything, both at the plate in the field. And Kyle Schwarber has been doing his thing at times. So like you look at it and it's, it's been, they've been there and, but in key moments pitching wise, the Phillies bullpen definitely feels a little sus. Like how much longer can they keep this up without really like fully imploding in any, any game? I, I don't, I don't know if, if, if that it's it's really tough to bank on them but 
uh, when you you pick the Astros, I'm gonna guess in like five or six games. But I, as tempted as I am to pick the Phillies here, because I again I do get 2019 vibes big time here. I feel like this is going to go Astros in seven. Yeah, I think if there was like one big um, kind of like strength that the Astros had, um, I would, I, I, I think I'd want to pick the Phillies because I think that they have kind of the mojo, but, um, and I get that there's like a, a fun factor. There's like a, a clutchness to the Phillies this postseason. Um, but I think you get, the Astros have just shown that they can win in so many different ways. Um, you know, when you look back, like the Yankees are a good team uh, and they went out there and just swept them right now. I think the Astros are really hot. I think they're a really deep, well-rounded team at, you know, looking at their lineup, uh, their rotation and, and especially their bullpen. I mean, they've got still two starters out in their bullpen too. So, you know, even if uh, one of their guys has a bad night, you can still go to a guy like, you know, Jose or, or Kitty or, you know, Luis Garcia, uh, starting pitcher went, five innings for them in their, uh, their big, their big win, uh, against the Mariners, that, that, that game that went really late. Um, so I, I just think that, you know, and, and their lineup to me, um, you know, I was doing a little research before the pod there, they were fifth in slugging and they were the second lowest in strikeout rate. This is not a team that I think when you see with a lot of slugging kind of teams that hit a lot of home run, they, they strike out a lot. Uh, that's not the case here. Um, and so you really can't be giving this team, you know, extra outs, which, you know, unfortunately the Phillies have a lot of bat first, you know, players. And so I think that's just something that I would highlight and I would watch for in, in this series is, um, you know, the Phillies defense. I think you cannot give the Astros extra outs. You can't be making, um, you know, errors on, on what, you know, really should be routine plays. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the, the the fact that you mentioned that they've got some starters in the bullpen for the Astros. You didn't even mention their biggest starting pitching prospect who has been relegated to the bullpen for the end of the season in the postseason run, Hunter Brown. He, he did look a little, little shaky there towards the end of that last ALCS appearance, but he has yet to give up an earned run the entire playoffs in three appearances. I mean, they just have weapons on weapons on weapons. And when, and when Justin Verlander is the only guy on your, on your postseason roster with an ERA over 2.5, like you're, you're cooking, you, you're, you're doing just fine. And in, in Verlander's most recent appearance, I think it was six shutout innings or six innings of one run ball against the Yankees in Yankee stadium. The Astros just five innings, one run, but, but I mean, and and I don't care that he had a clunker before. I mean, 1.7, five ERA on the year. He's the favorite to win his third Cy Young. He's been there before in big spots. I, I have no worries about Justin Verlander. And, and I think even if, you know, guys sometimes have big, you know, maybe he's off that night or whatever. Um, this team is just so deep. I it's 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 scary. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had to point to one player or one sort of area that you would say is going to be the X factor for this matchup for this series, what would you say or who would you say that the X factor is and why? Um, I mean, there's a lot of different guys that are going to be important. I would say. You know, it, I think it, it, I want to point to a guy like, you know, Jose Altuve, who had a really great regular season. 
and um, you know, for, for really kind of against all metrics has had a, a very poor hitting um, playoff run. But I mean, the answer still, it's, it's like they don't even need him because they just got sent so, so much elsewhere. Um, I would look at really kind of the bottom half of the order of the Phillies. I know it's, it's the question was one person, but it's really the one through four hitters on the Phillies that have been carrying the weight for, for this team. You know, Hoskins was yeah. clutch hitting uh, Harper with just being, you know, like you said, a monster at the plate. Um, they've got some other guys who are underperforming. And frankly, uh, if they're going to, um, you know, make it a deep series or, or, or win this series, they're going to need the bottom half of their, uh, their lineup to, you know, start contributing. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I think another area and I did touch on it earlier is, is gotta be the, the Phillies back end of the bullpen. Yes. Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler could very well continue to dominate. You could get quality innings out of Ranger Suarez for a game, maybe even two, if this series goes deep, but the, the, in all likelihood, one of, one of those guys, maybe even in multiple starts, they're going to have a less than ideal outing where they only go four and a third or five and two thirds or they're, they're going to, there's going to be an outing or two where the bullpen is going to be pushed to the limit. And they're going to have to not only eat innings, but produce quality innings to keep their team in the game and give the lineup a chance to, to get back into the game or, or just push the winning run across whatever the case may be. So I, I really think that the Phillies bullpen, which features a couple of, of interesting players, Obviously, Sir Anthony Dominguez became the closer over the course of the season. But to shore things up in the back end, they went and traded for David Robertson. And he looked good for most of the the postseason push. In the playoffs, he's been a little bit shaky at times. And you've seen that with some of the other guys in the back end of the rotation. Brad Hand has, has not looked very comfortable in the playoffs. Uh, Zach Eflin has made six appearances, none of them as a starter, even though he came in, he's been a starter all season and he's been shaky at times uh, coming out of the pen. So it's, it's been kind of a work in progress. The Phillies have just kind of pieced it together and found ways to make it work. But now they go up against an absolute juggernaut and and a team that has been here and done that when it comes to the world series, this being their, I believe third or fourth world series trip in the, in the past six or seven years. Like it's, it's getting ridiculous how, how common of a theme it is to see Houston Astros and world series in the same sentence, whether there is a a win or a loss in between those, those two entities. But the point is, for the Phillies to compete, not only do I, I to, cause I totally agree with you. They need more late death. Like you saw the Astros, the Ch- guys like Chaz McCormick, Christian Vasquez at the bottom of the lineup, having big, big moments, big games for the Astros against the Yankees. The Phillies need to start seeing some of that from the guys at the bottom of their lineup. If they want to hang, or as you said, even win this world series against the Astros. So I think I'm with you 100% lineup depth, bottom third of the order. Absolutely. 
is one of the X factors. I think the other one will be the bullpen, specifically the back end of the bullpen is going to need to not only continue to play well, but then the front end, the guys that are, are kind of bridging the gap to the, the, the back end have to be able to produce quality innings. So uh, I, I'm going to go with Astros in seven. Did you say uh, Astros in five or six? Uh, I didn't put a game series on it. I guess I'll go six. Um, that right. sounds right in my mind. I will say I'm rooting for the Phillies. I have mm. always and will always love an underdog, um, especially when I don't have a dog in the fight. So um, mm-hmm. go Phillies, and uh, especially because the Astros are fucking cheaters. So <laughs> Yeah, I, as much as I want to pick the Phillies again, I feel like I, I can't go to the well on this one it, it this one feels like double dipping can't be double dipping bad move here so i think the astros will find a way unfortunately to pull this one out and they'll have another world series to their ledger and but, that hey, will stink uh, yeah but hey uh, the astros they're uh they, they might not have lost a postseason game but in the month of october this year they're 11 and one and guess who that one loss is to uh your boston red sox the phillies on october 3rd so hey you never know playoff baseball is wild this team doesn't always win true all right well that that we love to hear that uh now before i get your thoughts on the red sox and what you would like to see them do in the off season your final thoughts on the season that was for them let's let's talk about the wild card round a little bit so in, this is the first tr- like official postseason where the wild card was expanded from a do or die play-in game between two wild card teams to an all-out actual series round where you had three wild card teams and the 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 worst division winner each pair up in the two best of three series for the right to move on to the divisional round. This obviously was tested during the COVID year where they expanded expanded the playoffs to 14 teams from 10 and they had three of of these such best of three series in the wild card round and only the best team in each league got a bye to the divisional round for now they've settled on 12 which means that the top two division winners will get a bye to the divisional series and then you'll have best of three series in the wild card round a pair from each league so let me ask you this dr Having seen what it looks like now for a couple for two years in the past three, compared to the do or die wildcard game, which do you enjoy more? Which do you prefer? The do or die. And that's not even a question. I think um, every year I watched every single of those wildcard games for the last, like, I don't know, seven years or something like that. Uh, 100% missed some of these wildcard series games. Um, no question about it. I think it's just, you know, baseball is a sport where you're so bogged down during the regular season with so many games and um, you just have other commitments. It's really easy for, you know, like uh, looking at another sport like the NFL to kind of clear out, you know, on a Thursday night, even if it's not my team, yeah, like I clear out a Thursday night, but not, oh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, we're off Friday, Saturday and Sunday, Sunday doubleheader matinee. It was just so much mm-hmm. baseball. I think I really liked 
the do or die element of it, it was just so exciting. And it always kind of came down, you know, there's a lot quicker hooks. The tension was there. Uh, I love that. I think that they should bring it back. Um, I don't care that they make more money, um, you know, having more games or maybe there's an ar- argument about fairness to be made, you know, if a really good team, you know, like the, the when the Padres were, were nasty, I think a couple of years ago, but were the wild card team because the Dodgers were filthy. Like maybe there's a, f- a fairness uh, argument to be made, but I don't care. I, I baseball has a, a fan problem; they've got an, a, a viewership problem, and you know I think that was one of the real kind of draws was those do or die games, and I'll stand by those. Mm-hmm. I think there's a case to be made for both. Uh, I think I'm going to straddle the fence here. Like I enjoy the do or die aspect of baseball because. In a sense, baseball is just a never-ending three or four-game series in the regular season. Sometimes it's it's a it's a a home and home split, two and two and two and two a piece. Uh, very rarely do you see the the rare one-game series in the regular season for on a makeup game or something like that. But it just feels like a never-ending series. So the the winner-take-all matchup in the wild card does feel refreshing. I I 100% agree with you on that aspect. That being said, where the best of three series can come into better play is in a situation like you said, like the Padres were, I think, a 100-game winner a couple years ago, and they got stuck in the play-on game, and they ended up losing. And I think that was to the Nationals in 2019, if I remember correctly. Um, But if... It's rather than have put them in a situation where you can win a hundred and something games somehow not win your division because there was an even better hundred game winner in within your own division and then get relegated to a do or die situation. Uh, I feel like it, you look at what happened in the national league, you had the Mets uh, in, in the Padres playing each other in a, in a four or five matchup where it was very thrilling from start to finish. And there were two teams that arguably could have been division winners and could have had a bye. But rather than get a do or die, we got to see a a thrilling three-game series between the two. Now, I I 100% agree. It's tough. Like, uh, to kind of clear out your your schedule to try and and watch all these games, it's tough, especially uh, for the wild card round because it was the way they had it was just Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all four games of each, all four series on each day until they're, they're completed. So the Friday and Saturday, there was baseball on all day. Do I have a problem with that? Absolutely not. That means if I can, I can wake up, watch baseball and I can go to work and watch baseball. Or if I have the days off, I can watch baseball all day or I can watch it when I can. So I personally didn't mind it. It gave me the option of having to being able to watch playoff baseball for as much of the day as I wanted. Um, But I can totally understand where like if you really wanted to watch it, but now all four games are on the same day. Now you kind of feel like you almost have to clear out your entire day just to watch the playoffs. So ultimately there are, there are pros and cons to it. I think over the next couple of years, we'll start to really see whether or not this is the best play or not. Uh, But it does bring up another interesting question 
and it's one that popped up big time in this postseason dr which was the question of do the wild card teams have an advantage over the two division winners that are resting with buys because if you recall in the national league the teams that advanced from the wild card both went on to upset the highly touted los angeles dodgers and the defending world series champion atlanta braves However, on the other side, the exact opposite happened. The New York Yankees and the Houston Astros both advanced out of the American League Division Series after having buys. So the wildcard winners did not advance out of there. So the question becomes, was there really any advantage? Is there any advantage to begin with? And I guess ultimately my question to you would be, if you were a baseball player, in the MLB on a playoff team, which would you rather have the buy with rest or that wild card best of three series? Yeah, this is one where I guess I don't know the answer to, um, mm-hmm. you, you, there's an argument to be made that if you're the, the, the team with the buy, um, you know, you really get the extra time. You can line up your pitchers, your players, if they're a little banged up, which, you know, especially with a long season like that, I'm sure guys are, they get extra rest, extra work done, you know, extra time in the sauna or ice tub or whatever the hell they're doing. Um, but, you know, a little time off, maybe you lose your mojo, you get out of the rhythm of things. Maybe that kind of screws you up a little bit. Um, it's one of those things that's going to be really hard to quantify as time goes on. Um, you know, maybe the numbers will bear it out one way or the other that, uh, the buy teams or the wild card teams, um, you know, win at a better clip or something like that. But um, which would I like to be, you know, I'm somebody that um, I kind of like to just be in that rhythm. So I would prefer to be the wild card team. I mean, of course, you know, mathematically, you never want to be the team that has to win more games to, you know, reach the same goal as, as another team. But uh, I think when I'm in a rhythm and just like doing something, um, you know, I like to stay in that rhythm. So, Mm-hmm. That's where, where I'd be at. Like, like for instance, you know, if I was going to the gym every day, I wouldn't, you know, I'd kind of hate to take a whole week off and then, you know, have to catch my stride again. Uh, you know, like I didn't miss anything and still be, you know, in the same kind of routine and rhythm uh, and, and at the same level, but you know, then you get to rest a little bit and, you know, maybe you put up better numbers than you were before. Um, so I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's a kind of a, a long winded, uh, We'll see. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's a, it's a good example there. Cause you know, you'd hate to, to be a guy that is going to the gym every day and then, or you just not even for a week, how about a couple months? And then you come back and then you're not even benching half of what you used to. And you feel really old and washed up. I mean, definitely not talking from personal experience or anything, but I, I can definitely Please. see where that would affect your sort of rhythm and it could lead to some early series rust uh, in, in that divisional round coming off of extended kind of off period, the most you've had since maybe the all-star break, maybe even more so since the beginning of the season, all the way back to spring training. So, I mean, it, it really depends on, on a player's personal preference. Like you said, it, this is, there is no, I don't think there is a, a right or wrong answer here either. 
it, it really all comes down to, do you prefer to be as fresh as possible or do you just prefer to stay in the, in the groove, stay in the same mode and stay in the same rhythm that you have been doing over the course of the better part of the last six, seven months. So mm. that's ultimately what it really comes down to. Personally, I think I would take the buy after such a long season I think I'd, I'd, it would be nice to just have a handful of days to, to kind of not have the pressure just c- continually on and, and, and kind of avoid the quote-unquote grind for a couple of days. Obviously, you're going to still put in the work in the cage or in the bullpen or whatever, but um, I also think it might depend on, on, your, on your position. Like, like I feel like uh, a bullpen guy might want to – have like that rest or maybe even a starter might want to have that rest, but I'm sure the hitters just want to keep playing unless they're, they're nursing some sort of injury. I, I think it, it also could come down to the the position you play. So it, it's, it's an interesting subject point, but it's, it's kind of a moot one because it just feels like the answer is just based purely on opinion. There's no right or wrong answer. There's no, I don't feel like, even if there were data or statistics to back up one side or the other, I just feel like it, it would be a moot point to, to go to statistics or data on this. Um, so I think it really just comes down to personal preference. But let's, uh, let, let me get your thoughts here, DR, as we kind of wind down and wrap things up here. Let me get your thoughts on the Red Sox. So I'll, I'll leave the floor to you. Let me... Talk to me about how the season ended, uh, what your thoughts are on the season as a whole, what you're expecting from the team and Heim Bloom in the offseason, if anything, and kind of what your expectations are for 2023. Yeah, I'll go on a little mini rant here. I, I'll try not to be too long-winded because I'm, I'm sure we'll have off-season pods in the Red Sox, but um... – I think Ian Bloom and this team is going to have a lot of decisions to make this off season. I, I, I don't, cause I, I wasn't looking at, at the, uh, the payroll uh, recently, but I want to say it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of like a hundred million that they can, um, you know, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit more depending on their decisions they make uh, in space. And, and so you look at, you know, if you, if you bring back Bogart's endeavors, you know, even if you kind of, you know, pay them, I think uh, market contracts, that's what 60 million between the two of them. So you're probably sitting somewhere between 40 and 50 million after that. Um, you've got some young guys that I think, you know, give you more flexibility now. So like cash just comes up, he's your first baseman of the future um, with, um, you know, I think a bunch of young kind of pitching prospects, you know, some have shown more than others. I think, um, you know, Cutter Crawford had a really good year. Um, uh, who's the stud that they brought up? Um, it was making a bunch of noise. I can't think of the name right now. Uh, stud pitcher. Tristan like a No, stud pitcher. Uh, he's like always wears a do-rag uh, when he pitches. Brian. No. Brian. Uh, or, oh, oh, yeah. No. Not Brian Mata. Whatever. Everyone, oh, if you're listening, you, you, you're a hard Sox fan. You'll probably know what I'm talking about. Um. I think there was like a filthy sinker and filthy fastball. But anywho. You're not think, thinking about a Bizardo, are you? No. Eduard Bizardo? No. Yeah. No. Um, no, he's mm-hmm. like their, 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 their best pitching prospect. 
this is awkward. <laughs> Whatever. I uh, yeah, I should know. Over but, it. Um, I just think that there's going to be a lot of stuff in flux, right? And the big, you know, I think the thing that this team's been getting a lot of flack for is specifically Bloom and specifically that they don't spend and, you know, uh, the kind of this stuff. And now we're going to see. Um, this is going to be a lot of money and a lot of big decisions that, you know, Bloom is here. I don't think that they're um, – and I would, would hate going away from Bloom even after a really disappointing year. Um, but – this is going to be where his tenure is kind of made or, you know, bro- broken. Um, if you sign some more contracts that work out, you know, the way that Trevor Story did, you know, who wasn't, you know, totally awful, but I think the, and I think there's some bright things there, but, um, you know, I think uh, the results were not what you would have hoped for. Um, so I just, th- it's going to be a really big off season. I expect them to spend a lot. I expect, um, the young players to come up and bolster whatever big decisions that they've made. So, you know, I wouldn't anticipate them being in on a big first baseman or, you know, a bunch of depth veteran um, starters. I, I I would suspect it's going to be, you know, maybe bring back a guy like Waka, but if you're spending really, I'd like to see some, you know, kind of bigger name, kind of larger bets that we like this guy and we're willing to spend a little bit on them. Um, Bogarts is obviously the talk of this one and recently Devers Bogarts. I'll say, um, I've got, I've got it on pretty good authority that the Red Sox have a number for him and they don't think he can do much better out on the open market. So if he can, he'll be gone. And that's, Mm. that's what that is. Um, I think the other thing that helps you is that there's a bunch of shortstops available and, you know, we're going to get high market contracts and not a ton of teams that can sign those guys. You know, Devers, it sounds like that they want to lock him up, but we'll see, you know. Yeah, well, I guess, you'd like to see it happen, but um, I just, yeah. Um, so anyway, I think I think next year is going to be a big year, and the decisions that, that Bloom makes is really going to be kind of his decisions. And, you know, if, if they're poor ones, yeah, this team's going to pay for it, but then I also don't expect Bloom to be here, you know, you know, beyond two years after that, if, if he if he signs a you know string of, of poor people, and if they don't spend, if they, if they come in low, I will be irate. Hmm. Yeah that that would be a really bad look for the team if they lowballed him. Uh, not even no sorry sorry not even like I'm fine with letting like Bogarts walk or like something like that. If 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 this team's payroll is low, like you went over the tax right. So you should yeah. either be right up against the tax or you dipped into it. And now you're like, okay, like we're, we're, we're doing it now. We're, you know, the penalties aren't that big, so we might as well make a splash, but mm-hmm. whatever the decision is, uh, this team can't be like, Oh yeah. You know, this off season people are asking too much. And I know we had $120 million in space, but we spent 70. That, that would be unequivocally unacceptable. Yeah, especially for this ownership group. Uh, they're not exactly uh, in the fan base's uh, good graces right now with how things have gone. So uh, 100% agree with you there. I'm still on the, the, the prospect that it's still that's still bothering me. Brian Mata, does that, does that sound right? No, Brian Mata, it's not right. I'm going to go. I should have looked it up while I was talking. Because you're not thinking of Brian Bellow. That is exactly what I'm thinking about. Ah, okay. Because I, I expect that he'll 
him and Crawford both, I think, are, you know, greater than 50% to be in the rotation next year. Um, mm-hmm. Winkowski, I don't think, showed well. Seabold, I think, also wasn't quite there. Um, you've got some other guys that, like, you know, could, again, start to push and, and make their way into the rotation next year or, you know, separate themselves as, you know, maybe that's not a guy that goes into the rotation. But the point is, when you have, you know, like Brian Bayo is, I think he's under contract for like seven years and he's making like the minimum. Like mm-hmm. when you have guys like that, like Christian Cassius, like these rookie guys making all of like, like basically no money and they're bolstering your roster. The idea is not to become the race, not because, you know, you need to do this because you can't spend. The idea is bolster your roster. Your, your 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 team with these guys you know build kind of a young core like that and then you have all this capital that you can go and spend and and really kind of be the dodgers in that way and sign big guys you know fill you know big holes on your team with you know stud stud players um or re-sign your young players and, and you, that way you don't lose guys like mookie Betts or or the like so that's i guess where i'd like to see this team go and to me there's there's no real excuse a lot of these guys these young guys uh, that they started are, are making their way uh, onto their team. They just recently announced a whole bunch of um, front office and coaching uh, firings and promotions, um, you know, really weeding out people that don't believe in the philosophies they're trying to implement. Um, so I think if, if you're in on these young guys and you want that sustainable core, you've got some that are now starting to knock on the door and, and can really start to be pieces in that. And I expect them to be there and I expect the money that would have gone to, you know, a free agent signing or a veteran guy to kind of be lumped in elsewhere, not in John Henry's pocket. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Do you have any final thoughts uh, that, on the World Series or any other Red Sox notes you want to hit DR before we call this one a wrap? No, I think um, I think that'll do it. I guess the only other thing I'd say is in in recent sports history, I think the Astros are approaching um, kind of what the the Patriots were. That that gives so for an avid Patriots fan like me, maybe this is how the rest of uh, the NFL felt about the Patriots. Is how you know the rest of the MLB feels about the Astros. Because um, yes, they got exposed for cheating and they did cheat, uh, especially on a, you know a really big stage, but. They've also strung together since then some really impressive seasons. They've been to the World Series, what, three of the last four years, and they've been in the ALCS about seven of the last, like, eight or something like that. Might might be more yep. for the World Series. It might be, like, four or five. Um, mm-hmm. This is this is an incredible team. They've, they've done something, you know, uh, really impressive. Um, it's too bad for them that they um, went and cheated and, and really marred it in that way. Yep. It's uh, it is approaching kind of dynasty level esque for the Houston Astros at this point. They still feel like uh, a title or two away from like an official dynasty, but the playoff success is is unquestionable, whether or not the means of getting it were legit or not. That being said, um, it I mean. We're, we are a couple of rem- years removed from that. Uh, I, I'm not going to harp on it any more than you did. But when you, you take that step back and you look at how stupidly 
consistent this team has been, uh, and even in the years since the the scandal came out, uh, you just. I'm, I'm not saying you have to tip your hat, but you kind of just have to just acknowledge the fact that this is one of the best teams of recent memory. Not so. I'm not talking about the 2022 edition, but I'm just saying like the Houston Astros for the past near decade has just been unbelievable for the, especially the past seven to eight years, just the amount of consistency, the, the all always finding a way to make deep postseason pushes. Uh, you kind of have to respect it a little bit, even even though some of those years probably did include some form of cheating. Um, yeah, and and I guess that for the Patriots comp, like there is some cheating in the Patriots dynasty. Like that's a real yep. fact. Whether or not you believe in Deflategate, I think there's no question that Spygate was 100, percent you know, cheating and wrong. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I know the Patriots won more, and they did it for longer. Um, like two to three times longer, but um, I, I just think that dynasties in professional sports are, you know, really incredibly rare and um, should be recognized and, and kind of marveled at a little bit, even if, you know, they have some black marks. Yep. 100% with you, man. All right. I think that's going to do it for this edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. For Dan Roach, I'm Ryan Brown, and we'll see you next time. Go Phillies.